Hi, and welcome to the jungle. My name is Tom Kislingberry. I host the Read and React podcast with Sticky Z. It's all about defensive players. We know it seems like a scary world with all the savage beasts and dark corners and mysterious ruins. So we want to help you through it. We fight through the linebacker lemurs and the nose tackle nasties and the cornerback creepers so you don't have to. IDP is all about getting an edge and we will give it to you. Now, Sticky, pass me that machete. You're listening to the Dynasty League Football Podcast, where there is no off-season. Welcome to the latest edition of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Once again, in the lead chair, I guess, this week is myself, Dan Myler, and once again, I have my two good friends, Matt Price and Ryan McDowell, at my side to talk again about another rookie class in our series. This will be the third of three. We're all the way up to the 2015 draft class. Ryan, you've been killing it so far in our rookie redo mocks. The threesome of DeAndre Hopkins, Odell Beckham Jr., and Allen Robinson at wide receiver highlight your roster so far. How do you think things are going? I feel pretty good about it so far. I guess after we did our 2014 draft last week, it made me realize how kind of how weak 2013 was. I know when we were recording that show, we talked about that it wasn't as bad as people say. But when I look at Chris Thompson and Rex Burkhead compared to some of the players that went at the end of our, our 2014 draft and some of the players that I'm looking forward to, to drafting today, they, they certainly kind of stand out for for bad reasons. But overall, yeah, DeAndre Hopkins, Odell Beckham, Allen Robinson. Uh, I've got Derek Carr in that uh, super flex format. So I feel feel like I have a pretty good start. Yeah, I do too. And, and you're right. The 2013 class pales in comparison to what we did a week ago with the 2014 class. Matt, you've been, you've had the second pick in each of our drafts so far. And you have a nice uh, set of receivers as well with Keenan Allen, Mike Evans, and Jarvis Landry. Also added Zach Ertz and Jimmy Garoppolo. So, and not to mention Adam Thielen. So you have a pretty good start as well. How do you feel about yours? I feel good about my receivers, and that's really about it. <laughs> I got to get on the board with some running backs here. That's for sure. Ertz. I mean, I started Ertz this week in the playoff contest, and and he let me down there. So it's not off to a good start with him. <laughs> yeah, and that's going to bleed into what we're doing here, of course. Uh, Ryan mentioned the, the late round, late first round picks from the first 2013 draft we did. Yours were Theo Riddick and Spencer Ware, so uh, hopefully those aren't your starters when we're done with this whole whole exercise. I'm sure they won't be. Uh, you'll add to that roster this week, of course. Uh, my start highlight really so far is Le'Veon Bell. Uh, other than that, I have tra- Travis Kelsey at tight end and and. Brandon Cooks and Devontae Adams at receiver so far. So I got a lot of building to do as well. Things have, uh, we've gotten a lot of feedback from people on Twitter. We appreciate that as always. Keep the feedback coming on that. Before we get to this week's uh, rookie draft flashback though, guys, we got to talk a little bit about what happened in the NFL this past weekend and look forward to championship weekend as well. Matt, 
I, you're as well as I am a Packers fan. What do you think of that Vikings finish? Man, uh, <laughs> I feel really bad for that that cornerback. He, he if he just kept his head up and 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 wrapped up instead of trying to make that big hit, it w- would have been a Saints victory. And that's who uh, Ryan and I have been rooting for the entire time. So uh, good good on the Vikings, though. I, it seems like they really are going to get to play a home Super Bowl. So I'm excited to see that play out. Yeah, it seems like they may be that team of destiny when things like that work for you, of course. Williams, I feel bad for him as well. It seemed like the perfect situation to just stand there and let Diggs run into you and fall down uh, instead of ducking out of it. I I do feel bad for him, of course. Ryan, what were your thoughts on on what happened all weekend? Yeah, that was just just such a crazy game. And for it to be the final game of the weekend, uh, I I think my family was really confused. I, of course, was in front of the TV watching that game the entire time. And my daughter would come in, my wife would come in and ask me who I was cheering for. And and I, I'm not a fan of either team, but I was cheering for the Saints. I've I've always liked Drew Brees and, and of course, have been rooting for Alvin Kamara this year. So that's the team I was rooting for. Uh, but then, then when that last play, the, t- the touchdown to Diggs, I'm jumping up and screaming, and my wife is looking at me like, "What? What? What is the matter with you? You know, the, the team you were <laughs> Did for. You forget who you're rooting. Yeah, for? the team you were for just lost. But I mean, honestly, I was I was just rooting for good football, and we certainly got that in that game. But just just an amazing game. So many great plays. And, and the I think the play. same could probably be said for the most part from the first game on Sunday as well. That Steelers Jags game was entertaining at the very least. Uh, although Steelers fans will say that defense was horribly disappointing, and, and I can see that as well. But from a football fan that was just watching football that day, it doesn't get a whole lot better than those two games, fellas. Yeah, definitely. The, and I think most people expected some type of 13-10 game in that, in that Steelers-Jacks game. So to see the, the offensive explosion from both teams, uh, which we haven't really seen from the Jags for most of the year, at least maybe the entire season, uh, that, that was a nice surprise and an awesome Sunday of football. Yes, and with that, let's move back towards uh, what we've been working on uh, a little bit. Uh, actually, first of all, let's take a quick look at our Playoff Fantasy Football League, uh, do a quick update on that. Of the three of us, Matt, once again, uh, I believe you had the biggest number of us in the second round as well as the first round. Uh, built a pretty nice lineup once again and sitting in fifth overall. Meanwhile, Ryan had a nice score and is up to 7th, and I'm bringing up the caboose at, I think, 12th or 13th, Uh, but only a handful of points behind you guys, so I still have a chance. want to throw a quick shout-out to our overall leader to this point. It's Tyson Banker, so well done through two weeks, Tyson. Uh, He's followed up by Brian Foster and Andy Salmon. You guys, did you use big names this week? Any disappointments that you didn't get to use that now you won't get to because they didn't advance, Ryan? Um, I, I guess I wish I had used uh, Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, the, well, obviously. The game touchdowns. he had was, was amazing. I, I told you guys off the air, I I did that, that bad owner thing. I actually forgot <laughs> to set my lineup on Saturday. So I missed all of the Saturday games. I, uh, I did remember in time to, to set it on Sunday and, and got lucky with some of those big offensive uh, performances we saw on Sunday. I used Fournette, I used Kamara, I used Michael Thomas, uh, and those guys got me a big score. So yeah, I, I got lucky on that one. 
Matt, what about you? You got anybody you are looking forward to using or now that you can't use because they got disqualified? Yeah, I actually, Ryan actually outscored me this week by about 11 points. So he, he caught oh, up a I'm little sorry, bit Ryan. to me. No, no, no. Disrespect. No. Uh, but yeah, I w- also wish I had played Roethlisberger, of course. I, it was kind of a toss up between him and Matt Ryan to me. I really thought the Steelers were going to move on. So I'd be able to play him against the Patriots. And I thought Matt Ryan, you know, had a chance to lose uh, and, and he did, but he'll <laughs> put up 11 points. So not not so good there. I think if I would have played Roethlisberger, I probably would have been close to the to the lead. Uh, but Le'Veon Bell was nice to get in there before he got eliminated, and, and Kamara as well. So I had a decent day. My biggest mistakes were were Chris Hogan. He did catch a touchdown to save me, but only caught one pass for four yards. And I guess Zach Ertz uh, free for thirty two, no good. So it would have been better to save him for next week. I had Corey Davis in a few of my daily lineups this past weekend because he was such a bargain and thought for a moment of playing him here because just like in a daily game, you get chances to use players and if you're on them and nobody else is, you have the chance to to move up standings if they go off. Uh, Never had him in my lineup, but uh, nearly put him in. Wish I had done that. Had uh, a few other players in my lineup had James White in there and swapped him for Fournette. And that one I didn't feel real good about on Saturday and loved on Sunday. And then the other one is I, I chose to use Derrick Henry over Le'Veon Bell because I thought Bell would advance. Not so much. So that was a mistake for me. But Fournette saved me. I'm still within uh, shouting distance of you guys. And we'll continue on through the Super Bowl, of course. So with all of that out of the way, let's talk a little bit about our Rookie Draft Flashback, which has been the theme of our last few episodes, of course. We are in week three of our Rookie Draft Flashbacks. We already did the 2013 and 2014 drafts, and this week we'll continue on with the 2015 draft class. Uh, The next few will, of course, feature the 2016 and 2017 classes, followed by an overview episode, which we'll try to get a little little bit of listener feedback involved with uh, probably throw some things out on Twitter who has the best roster best uh, best running back group wide receiver group things like that but that's all in the future Ryan I would like to uh, we should probably mention that you're doing an article series on our topic as well tell our listeners a little bit about what they can read about what we're doing here yeah, basically just taking this idea and putting it in written form, kind of a recap of each podcast episode. Um, so the 2013 and 2014 versions will be out soon, um, maybe even by the time you're listening to this. And as we record and, and uh, release each episode, I'll do another recap of those drafts and, and that draft class as well. Yeah, I'm sure those articles will be full of scathing criticisms of Matt and my own picks. Yes, especially course. yours. Especially mine, of course. Let's uh, let's start talking a little bit about this rookie draft class. And as we have with the first two, we'll continue on talking about the things we remember most looking back on these classes. Matt, uh, the 2015 draft class was full of lightning rod type players, especially among the Twitter dynasty community. People that so many players that so many people were really high on and then others really low on. Is there a guy that you can pinpoint as the guy that you think of most when you think back on this rookie class? Yeah, I kind of feel like right at the top, well, right at the top now of this draft is David Johnson. You know, he was kind of the talk of the town. For me, he was a really tough evaluation because he was this, this, this big guy who was probably the best catch, pass catching back 
that I, I ever looked at on film uh, um, up to that up to that point, and, and maybe still. Uh, but he was this big guy that you would think would be really good running between the tackles, but he's kind of struggled there a little bit in college. So it was a really kind of tricky evaluation: is he going to be able to do it, be, be a three down back in, in the in the pros or not? And and it turns out that he really was. So he was kind of that polarizing guy for me in that class. Ryan, Ryan, was there a guy for you? For me, it was just it was just the battle at the top at that point, and in what I consider to be my main league, or at least at least it was my main league a couple of years ago in 2015. I had had a down year. I earned the 1.01 pick the hard way, and I had that choice between Todd Gurley and Amari Cooper, and I went with Gurley at that point. Uh, there's of course been times I kind of regretted that. As, as I normally lean toward wide receivers. Uh, but this year I felt pretty good about that choice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the one for, yeah, for sure, I'm sure you did. Uh, the one for me was Kevin White, looking back at the class. And, and the reason isn't because I liked him or, or even that I disliked him. It's that I, I just didn't feel strongly enough to like him uh, enough to put him that high on my draft board, as high as other people were were putting him on theirs. Uh, I remember that was the off season that I decided if I don't feel as strongly as the rest of the community, I am going to rank a guy that way. And he fell into my rankings at number ten. And I, I'm not saying that to say I'm right about something, but it I, I had been burned on on that topic so many times in the past that White was finally the guy that I made the decision. And since then, I've I've adjusted rankings thinking back on him. So when I think about this class, it's that Kevin White taught me the lesson, even before we've seen what he has been with the Chicago Bears, that you should believe what you say way more than you, or what you see way more than what you, uh, what others say about a player and what you read on Twitter. So with that, let's uh, move on to our rookie draft redo. Uh, We're going to start by talking about our ADP, Ryan, uh, I'm sure a couple of these guys that we mentioned are going to be among the top tier, but let's look at the top six picks uh, back from back in the summer of 2015. Yeah, the, the first round to me feels still pretty strong. We do have a couple of potholes in there, a couple of busts. We'll get to those guys. But the top six was Todd Gurley, Amari Cooper, and then Melvin Gordon, those three. Uh, I remember those three really forming a strong top three and – depending on which which draft you were involved in. Uh, maybe Cooper went first. Uh, maybe Gordon went first. People viewed that, uh, viewed him landing with the Chargers as maybe a better landing spot. I, I remember him going at the top at some point. Uh, and then Kevin White, you already mentioned, he was the fourth player off the board. We saw a little bit of gap from White to that next group of players. But uh, the fifth and sixth players off the board were uh, Devonte Parker and TJ Yeldon. So that was your top six. Yeah, Yeldon was a really interesting one back then. Of course, nobody knew about Leonard Fournette. At least, not NFL, uh, not us NFL dynasty players. You Devi guys, of course, were all over him at the time already. Matt, thinking back to then and Yeldon landing in Jacksonville and that poor offensive line and poor team in general, there were a lot of people that really loved that landing spot. And some people that still do and think Fournette just happened to get there right when Yeldon could have exploded. What are your thoughts on Yeldon going forward as he backs up Fournette? 
I, he's never been somebody that I've I've been on. He he always kind of seemed like just a guy, you know, a decent pass catcher, and I think certainly could fill the thir- third down role. Um, you know, if Fournette needs somebody to, to take those duties away from him. But he's not someone that I'm interested at all going forward, really, and wasn't when he came out. Ryan, how about you? What are your thoughts on Yeldon? Um, I, I think what we saw this year, he, he kind of is what he is. And I feel like I missed on him because I, I did think he could be that every down back. And uh, when he was given that chance in Jacksonville, we saw that he kind of kind of struggled with that. I, I feel like this year was probably his – his best season. I don't know if that's the case statistically or or necessarily where he finished as far as fantasy points, but he certainly locked into that role and and did a good job with that, both as a pass catcher for the Jags and and then uh, playing a larger role when Fournette was dealing with injuries. Yeah, I'm on board with you on that. I wasn't a real big fan of him coming out, but the more I saw him this year, the more I've realized that he is a nice little handcuff if you're a Fournette owner or always looking to rotate that last guy on your roster. Um, he can be a fill-in guy for one or two weeks for the Jaguars and put up good enough points to be in a starting lineup if Fournette's out of the lineup. I don't know if he'll ever have standalone value with Fournette in that lineup. However, let's look at the second half of that first round, Ryan. Yeah, absolutely. Again, we're, we're going to see some of those busts here. Uh, Nelson Aguilar was the seventh player off the board. Uh, he really rose after he was the first round pick of the Eagles, a, a little bit of a surprise there. That helped his his fantasy stock. Amir Abdullah at eight, Tevin Coleman at nine. Brashard Perriman was the 10th player off the board. Uh, one of my favorites, one of my biggest misses over the past few years at 11, Doriel Green Beckham, and then Jameis Winston, the quarterback at 12. Ryan, you mentioned Green Beckham as one of your misses. What what happened there? What Why didn't it work out for Doriel Green Beckham? Yeah, I don't know. I, I wish I did know because maybe I could have avoided him. Maybe maybe the uh, Titans would have avoided him as well. We, we knew about the off-field issues with him. Once he made it to the NFL, that for, for the most part, that seemed to uh, take care of itself. It, it seemed like he kind of straightened himself out, but he still was never able to contribute. And it really should have been a strong sign for me and, and for others when the Titans gave up on him relatively quickly, trading him to the Eagles. Uh, but I was I was still a buyer at that point somehow, and we just saw him kind of fizzle out from there. Yeah, a lot of us saw that as a new opportunity, new setting, and maybe these new surroundings and this new team would spark something inside of him. But it was completely the opposite for, for both Dynasty owners and, and his uh, fortunes in the NFL, of course. The other guy, the other eagle, I should say, is Nelson Aguilar, Matt. He's hung around. He, he continues to have productive games every now and then or, or show flashes of that speed and that quickness in and out of his routes and, and with that run-after-catch ability. What are your thoughts on Aguilar going forward? I'm really glad that Aguilar finally came around this season and that Juju had a nice year because for a while there, it really did seem like every single USC wide receiver was just going to bust. And uh, and, and honestly, I, it was definitely played into my analysis with Aguilar. I wasn't a huge fan of his um, coming out, and, and I'm not going to say that that bias didn't creep in a little bit. He just wasn't someone that I saw as, as is really a number one or even a number two, but he's carved a nice role for himself out in the slot there. Um, and, you know, he has Alshon Jeffrey and, and Zach Gertz to, to 
kind of uh, take a little bit of the defensive pressure off him so he can just kind of run free on the other side So uh, when, when Torrey Smith isn't on the field. So I, I really think he's going to be their, their wide receiver, too, going forward. Um, you know, uh, I, I can't see them sticking around too much with, with, uh, with Torrey Smith uh, as he gets up there in age. So uh, I, I like him quite a bit going forward. Uh, I wouldn't mind paying, you know, low-end wide receiver two, high wide receiver three prices if I could get him for that. Sure. Ryan, is there anything we can learn from the whole Aguilar situation? He gets drafted into a nice situation uh, in Philadelphia. Of course, back then, Chip Kelly was there in that quick passing game and trying to get the ball out of the quarterback's hands quickly. Everybody thought Aguilar fit really nicely into that, including us in the Dynasty community, and we thought there was the chance at immediate return right away, and that hasn't happened now, after a couple of years, we start to see some production. He's slowly matured into his role there. And I would say the arrow is pointing up still going into next season for, for dynasty owners. Is there anything we can learn from all of this as far as where we should take these guys that go skyrocketing or maybe that we should be more patient with those types of players? Yeah, for me, it's about the patience. And most of us play in dynasty leagues that have relatively large rosters that we are able to take players and uh, sit on them and wait for them a while. But even with that being said, we didn't do that. Uh, I saw Aguilar on, on waiver wires in my leagues, including leagues that have at least 25 roster spots, and, and people were giving up on him. There's another player that we'll talk about soon that is a, a very similar case that took a couple of years. But in, in Aguilar's case, he was the wide receiver 101, the wide receiver 86. And then finally this year, we saw that breakout uh, where he really gave uh, fantasy owners some production and gave the Eagles, more importantly for them, some production. With that, let's talk a little bit about that second round. Who are the top six picks according to ADP in the second round in 2015? Uh, the second round, I remember that being a deep second round, not a lot of difference between the first the late first and the early second. Uh, 13th player off the board, first player in the second round was Duke Johnson. J.J., another running back uh, to start the second round there. And then Devin Funches, of course, that was the player I was just referring to. Uh, took some time for him to really produce as well, but he finally did that this year. So Duke Johnson, J.J., Devin Funches, Jalen Strong was the fourth player off the board, Philip Dorsett. And then in the middle of the second round, on average, was David Johnson. We're going to have an opportunity to talk about David Johnson and how I messed up my drafts by not taking him late in the first, early in the second, or in some cases even late in the second where he was going. Duke Johnson is an interesting name as well as Ajayi. But I want to talk a little bit about the wide receivers here, Matt. That group of Funches, Strong, and Dorsett. Like Ryan said, Funches has come on a little bit. Strong and Dorsett are both interesting names to me, and, and two of the guys that I was referring to uh, early in the podcast when I mentioned how, how there were some lightning rods. Some people were super high on Dorsett and all that speed and going in the first round, all the things around him. Same with Strong, you know, the big receivers that were in this class, including Cooper and White and Parker. There were some dynasty owners out there that, that put Jalen Strong in the group with them because of his height and he had a little bit of speed or enough speed to get downfield and, and he was a big playmaker in college what what's not working for these two guys and, and is there anything we can learn from from the strong endorsed sets of the world 
Jalen Strong, I thought, you know, I, I thought he might be coming back from the dead once he ended up on, uh, I think he signed with, with Jacksonville, like in the mid, middle part of the season there. So I thought that might be a nice opportunity for him. But, you know, he wasn't able to overtake even guys like Keelan Cole and Jaden Mickens. I mean, uh, so, you know, I, I don't really know what, what the future holds for him. I can't imagine that, that he's going to be productive from a fantasy standpoint anytime soon. He was someone that I, I, I often kind of talked about in the same breath as Devontae Parker. I kind of saw a lot of similarities between those two players and Parker was somebody that was going you know in the middle of the first round and and you could wait and get and get uh get him in the in the middle of the second like we're talking about here Funches, you know he, he was another one I, I thought he was kind of redundant with with kelvin benjamin that pick didn't make a lot of sense to me especially since, since benjamin had such a successful rookie season um so i wasn't really on him either and then uh i'm sorry who was the third guy we were talking about uh, oh, Philip Dorsett. Philip Dorsett. Yeah, that was that's such a crazy pick for him at the end of the first because he seemed like he, it was basically just redundancy for for T. Y. Hilton, and T. Y. Hilton was a better route runner than him. So uh, he was a one somebody that I was intrigued by. You know, if they could get both Hilton and him on the field at the same time, that's a whole lot of speed. But it just never really kind of worked out for him. Um, so, and, and I don't really see much hope for him on the Patriots either. Really going forward. Yeah, I had the same kind of feelings about Jalen Strong. I, I was a proponent of taking him early to mid second round and thought you were getting late mid to late round first round value when taking him. Another guy I was higher than most on was Duke Johnson, especially in PPR leagues. I thought he fit in really nice in that Cleveland offense and, and thought he maybe he would even be better than what he's been to this point, Ryan. Uh, now, of course, we talk about this Browns roster and Johnson had another nice PPR season. Uh, but when you look at that team and those draft picks, there's a really good chance the Browns add another running back to that mix. What are your thoughts on Duke Johnson this offseason, and where has he, he gone in your rankings personally since he was drafted by the Browns? Yeah, I was a big fan landing there with the Browns. I, I liked his opportunity. Of course, they had added Isaiah Crowell the previous season, but I, I still that didn't didn't slow me down, and, and it really hasn't slowed Duke Johnson down for the most part. He's been able to produce, as has Crowell at times. Uh, I, I think your point, though, about the Browns adding a running back this year are very fair, and they have to be uh, something that Duke Johnson owners have to consider. Uh, Crowell is a free agent now. It seems like they're probably going to let him walk and not attempt to re-sign him. And with two picks in the top four, if they had Barkley – we know he can run the ball, he can catch the ball, and, and that has to hurt Duke Johnson's role and his value. Yeah, th- something to think about for sure. Of course, there are no guarantees with the Browns. They might trade those two picks for a bag of balls and a third-string quarterback. But uh, it, it, it's something as, as dynasty owners that we have to be cognizant of for sure. Real quick, Dan, uh, I don't know if you guys remember, but Duke Johnson almost ended up as a cowboy. They were all set to draft him, and then Randy Gregory kind of fell in their lap. And we might not even have seen Zeke on the Cowboys. So that kind of changed uh, the course of our running back history a little bit. You heard it here first. Mm. Duke Johnson is as good as Zeke, according <laughs> to Matt Price. <laughs> Ryan, how about the second half of that second round in 2015? You know, we, we see a couple of wide receivers here at the second half of the back half of the second round. And I, I was thinking, Dan, before I talk about those players, I was thinking about Aguilar and Perriman. It almost seems like we talked last week about that loaded wide receiver class of 2014, and it almost seems like the NFL teams were reacting to that talent that 
that came in and, and fantasy owners, dynasty owners do the same exact thing. We see a loaded rookie class in 2017 and now we load up on 2018 picks and, and maybe that'll work out or maybe it will be to our peril. But we look at some of the wide receivers that went in this first round. Everybody knew Cooper and Wyatt would be first rounders. But then Aguilar, we talked about Perriman, uh, and, and then the other guys you were talking about, Dorsett and um, and, and Strong. And Strong, right? I don't think Strong was a first rounder, but kind of reaching on. Oh, Devonte Parker was the other guy in, in that right. first round. It almost just feels like NFL teams were reacting to the talent that came into the league the previous year, and then fantasy owners did the same thing, really. Uh, but looking at the second half of the second round, it starts with a good one, Marcus Mariota at the ni- as the 19th overall player, and then a lot of question marks. Max Williams, tight end, David Cobb running back for the Titans at 21, Javorius Allen, Buck Allen at 22, Tyler Lockett at 23, Devin Smith at 24 yeah there there's a lot of question marks certainly at the end but Mariota especially uh is the guy the guy to highlight out of the group of course the this ADP is is typically or most likely uh filled with one quarterback leagues Mariota went a heck of a lot higher than that in super flex leagues and we'll have a chance to talk about the Titans quarterback here in a moment but let's talk first of all about Max Williams Matt We've talked about it the last couple of weeks. We like to take these tight ends in the second round and give them a little time to mature on our roster and on our dynasty benches. It just hasn't worked for Max Williams. I was relatively high on him. I thought he was a nice bargain in the mid-second round of rookie drafts, and I was willing to hold him for a couple years. Is it time to, to move on from Max Williams now? Yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> I mean, the, the the Ravens said all we need to know about how they feel about Max Williams when they signed like seven tight ends this right. this offseason. So I, I just don't see much of a future there for him unless all of a sudden he gets healthy and, and, and somehow takes over the job this offseason. I know it takes a, a while for tight ends to develop in general. Uh, they, they aren't all Evan Ingram, but that just seems really crowded. I guess there's a chance, uh, but I mean, if, if you want him, he's on your waiver wire. Don't, you know, maybe as a last roster spot, I guess, but I, I don't have much hope for him. This, this team, tight end class in general was just kind of a wasteland the only guy I was really kind of interested in was Clive Walford so uh, he went a little bit farther down I think in like the third round so uh, he's he he never really had a couple flashing games too but then Jared Cook came and kind of kind of took his job and I don't really know if we're going to see much from him either well you made me feel a little bit bad Matt because I still have on my deep deep rosters I still have Max Williams as that (laughs) fourth or fifth tight end just holding on to hope Ryan, can you shed any light on it? Is it, is it a horrible decision to hold on to? Um, it's close to a horrible decision. It, <laughs> it depends on, That'll I guess it depends article. on how many roster spots you have, but. I'm talking about 30 plus, yeah, 12 teams and yeah, 30 plus. I mean, why not? He, he's got, he's got draft pedigree. I think he was, I think he was the second rounder for Baltimore back then. And there certainly is some opportunity with Baltimore. I assume Max Williams is going to be a free agent though. So he may not even be back there. I don't know. Right. I, I still think about the guy coming out of Minnesota that was stretching fields. And, and if he had a, a a legitimate, even a Big Ten quarterback at the time, I think his numbers would have even been bigger. And I, I, I thought he could translate to the NFL, stretch the seam, uh, be that guy that, that gets four or five targets a game. And, and two or three of them would be down the field. Uh, and then also the red zone presence that he, he showed at times at Minnesota that seemed to be something that could be used, especially when he landed in Baltimore, that Harbaugh uh, 
little bit of an old school use of the tight end and, and being able to uh, play all over the field. I thought it would, would, it would make sense there. It just, it just hasn't, unfortunately. Let's move on to the third round, Ryan. Any names worth mentioning in the third round and beyond in the ADP? We had uh, basically one third rounder who has hit, and, and he has hit relatively big. The last player in the third round, 36th player overall off the board, according to this ADP, is Stefan Diggs, Minnesota wide receiver. Yeah, and coming off that big catch on Sunday night, uh, I wonder if that'll affect where he goes in our draft that we're going to get to right now. Now, our ADP uh, was based on single quarterback. We're doing a super flex draft. It's also PPR. Um, But just to make the team building exercise a little more fun, uh, and because we we all, all, the three of us all play in super flex leagues almost primarily, or almost exclusively, um, we're going to make it super flex as well. So we uh, we did a random drawing once again for, for our draft order. And this week, it wasn't Ryan that got the number one pick. It was me. Uh, and Matt once again fell at number two, with Ryan coming in at number three. So I have the first pick in our draft, and I'm going to make the obvious choice here. It's going to be Todd Gurley. Uh, I don't think we have to talk in too much depth about what Gurley can do or will do or has done in the past for dynasty owners. He won lots of us championships in 2017. I see him as the type of player that will continue to do that in that McVay offense. He is a top five dynasty asset, no matter what your settings. And uh, the obvious pick to me, Matt, at number one, you must agree, right? Yeah, absolutely. If, if somehow you took David Johnson, who I'm going to take here, uh, I, I would have been ecstatic to get Gurley. I'm pretty happy to get uh, David Johnson as well, though. Um, but there are still some concerns. And, and his, his, luckily, his injury was a wrist injury and isn't really going to affect his lower body. But uh, probably not a lot of people know he's already 26, even though we've had one full season from him. So he's a little bit older. Carson Palmer's re- retired. You know, Larry Fitzgerald might follow suit. Bruce Arians is gone. So, you know, there's some doubt there that, that he's going to be able to return to that, you know, that top two, top three kind of running back status. But the, uh, the temptation is too, too strong there to pass up on a guy that I think is truly one of the only guys in the NFL that has a potential to catch, uh, you know, 1,000 yards to go along with 1,000-plus rushing yards. So uh, uh, there's no way I can pass him up here, and I think these two are, are clearly a tier above the, the next, next set of guys. Absolutely, and I, I don't think it's a slam dunk, 100% easy pick to take Todd Gurley. There is a moment where you should think back on – on the 2016 season when considering David Johnson, that that was a pretty magical run as well. I know Gurley, because of recency bias, is on the tip of everybody's tongue and on the top of everybody's mind. But Ryan, uh, David Johnson still deserves to be uh, mentioned in the same breath as Gurley, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. I think so. Like you said, recency bias with Gurley, what we've seen this year and, and with the injury to Johnson, uh, plus, Johnson is a little bit older than Gurley and, and even a little bit older than Le'Veon Bell, who was um, who we saw in our first episode of this series in the 2013 class. Um, so some people might knock him for that when comparing him to Gurley or some of these other top running backs. But yeah, I mean, I agree with you guys. Gurley and DJ is the top two and then a drop to this this next group which is where i get to pick so thanks a lot for that dan yeah i'm sure you're you're excited to make this pick uh there's definitely a drop down for sure but you do get two picks 
I don't know if that eases your mind. Though. It doesn't. No, it, it actually. Okay, all right. <laughs> I, I think it makes things worse. Well, I'll share a little table talk here. In my rankings, the next five players are all about uh, all about equal value. So, to have the first two of those is is not the ideal spot. I think Dan to get Gurley and and the last two. That's that's the spot to be in. I'm envious of you this week. But I still have to make my picks. They're difficult ones. Um, Unfortunately, the rules don't allow trades, or we could start a negotiation of, of that that pick for for DeAndre Hopkins because everybody <laughs> knows how much I love. Well, we love we can't even get a trade done in our real league, so let's <laughs> right. let's, let's not go there. Um, at the one point oh three spot, I'm gonna gonna go ahead and take Amari Cooper. He was the uh, he was the top two pick or top three pick. Uh, back in 2015, and uh, I'm a big believer. I think most people know that. Uh, he's got three fantasy finishes in his three seasons as a wide receiver three or better. Uh, he finished the season pretty strongly, I guess we could say, to sneak into that wide receiver 36 spot overall. Just just barely got there. Uh, but first two seasons, we saw him with 1,000 yards. Uh, I, I'm still a big believer in the talent. I'm honestly not sure what to think of John Gruden there with him now. I don't know if that's a good thing or not, but I did grab also his quarterback, Derek Carr, last week. So I'll pair the Raiders and take Cooper at three. Um, And then the fourth pick is not any easier, but I'm going to go with a quarterback in this super flex format. Uh, We've talked already about the two obvious names of Winston and Mariota, and I'm going to take the one I prefer ever so slightly, which is Jameis Winston. Okay, so the highest we've seen a quarterback go so far in this three-season exercise that we've done. Matt, you are going to be back on the clock at number five. First of all, the Amari Cooper pick, what are your thoughts on him going forward? And did Ryan take your guy at three or four? He almost did. Uh, I have both of those quarterbacks in my rankings, uh, Mariota 8 and, and Winston 9. So they're, it's splitting hairs between those two guys. Uh, Cooper, I, I've, I've been on record as being a big fan of. I think it's not time to give up on him yet. We saw what he could do the first two seasons uh, of his NFL career. And, you know, if Michael Crabtree moves on, then he's going to get to assume that true number one role. And I think there is maybe a question that he can, can handle that without somebody else taking, taking some uh, attention away. Hopefully they are able to, you know, get him another weapon to pair with them uh but I, i'm still on cooper um but I, but since uh ryan took took winston i'm gonna go ahead and take Mariota here and and pair him with garoppolo to to get my two starting quarterbacks and uh, wish you good luck at finding a quarterback dan because you still have zero yeah that that's uh that's horrible disappointment i was really hoping you guys would avoid the quarterbacks once again i actually had winston at three and Mariota at four uh in these rankings i would have taken cooper fifth uh, especially considering I'm the only one without a quarterback. Now you each have two. I'll have to be digging deep to find any quarterback for for my roster. Hopefully, I get a get a prime pick next week when we when we look at the 2016 draft. But that puts me on the clock at six, and of course I have six and seven. Uh, I think there's two obvious picks here. I'm going to make Melvin Gordon the sixth pick. Um, I think that's pretty a pretty nice bargain, actually. There are probably people out there that think he could go as highly as third or fourth in this mock. Uh, to get him at six feels pretty good. I had him one pick in front of uh, Stefan Diggs, who I had as my seventh best player and the obvious guy before the big tier fall off 
that Ryan was talking about with the top seven. Uh, so my two picks are Melvin Gordon and Stefan Diggs, which puts Matt back on the clock at number eight. Yeah, I, I actually did have Gordon ranked fourth, but just because of the super flex aspect and we're building rosters, I thought it would be good to go ahead and get get Mariota here, especially with the news today that Mike Malarkey is saying goodbye. So that can only be a good thing for Mariota. Uh, but yeah, those guys are the last of, of this tier. We're dropping down another full tier here pretty easily. There's a handful of guys here that are all pretty similarly ranked for me. But I'm going to go back to running back and take Jay Ajayi. He was somebody I was definitely buying um, as when he moved to Philadelphia, my hope is that he was just still learning the playbook and, and, uh, you know, also had to share the role with Blunt a little bit there and Clement, of course. So, uh, I'm excited about what he can do with a full season off season of, uh, of development with the team. And uh, I expect him to be that full-time starter going into 2018. Okay. So Ajayi goes eight, uh, Ryan, are you excited about your options here? And what are your thoughts on Ajayi? Um, I don't like Ajayi. <laughs> but I think he makes sense at this pick for Matt, or at, at that pick, I should say. I think it's pretty easy to argue he's the best of that third tier. If you want to look at those guys as as the third tier after Gordon, and I'm glad I'm glad I didn't have to pick him. I'm glad Matt took him. <laughs> this kind of feels the same. Like I feel like other than Ajay, I'm at the top of this tier. I feel like I'm doing a lot of whining this time. I'm just going to make my picks. I'm going to take. Devontae Parker and Tevin Coleman. Those are my picks. Okay. Uh, no analysis to go along with it. You, you seem quite disappointed. Well, you know, I'm, again, I think these guys are all, all in a tier. I think Ajay is in there. I think, Dan, the, the guys that you're going to pick are included in there. And there's there's a few players. And this, this is really – this is what happened in the 2015 draft. If you had that mid-second round pick – you, you felt about as confident as you did with a late first rounder, I, I would imagine. This, this would certainly be a spot I would look to trade down if that was a possibility. Uh, specifically with Parker, though, uh, coming off another disappointing season, Dan, you're probably disappointed that you didn't get to pick him. I know he's, he's one of your favorites, uh, but I, I still believe in the talent. There's at least a chance that Jarvis Landry could be moving on this season, so we could see, uh, see some more opportunity for Parker. And with Tevin Coleman, he is he's stuck behind Freeman. I actually have Freeman on my roster, so that was a little bit of an accidental handcuff there. Free, uh, I'm sorry, Coleman has back-to-back top 24 uh, running back seasons, though. So uh, he's shown that he's able to put up some fantasy points even with Freeman there in front of him. I got to say that I'm, I'm quite disappointed that Coleman went. I knew it was a long shot uh, for sure that he'd get all the way down to 12, which is when I pick next. Uh, I'm probably higher than most on Coleman. I'm, I'm looking for him to get out of Freeman's shadow at some point. Uh, hopefully, I'm still still kind of kind of praying to the dynasty gods that, that he ends up somewhere where he can be featured. I really like what he can do both between the tackles and out on the edge as a pass catcher as well. The quickness compounded with, with that uh, ability between the tackles is, is something that we look for as dynasty owners. And I think Coleman has it. We haven't seen enough of it to this point. So I think so far of what we've seen, seeing him at 10, that's a pretty nice buy. I would have taken him over Ajayi Matt. You are up at number 11. What are your thoughts on Parker and Coleman? And would you prefer one of those guys over the guy you'll take at 11? 
Yeah, Coleman wasn't making back to you. He was definitely my pick here. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I figured it uh, I, I was I was kind of not really on him coming out. You know, I, I was always kind of a, a bigger Freeman fan when that whole debate was going down. It seems like he is going to have to go somewhere else now that, that Freeman got the big long-term contract this season. So, uh, But there's no doubt that he's been productive. I actually just acquired my first share. I moved O.J. Howard for Tevin Coleman and Jimmy Graham and, and Capitalist Pigs, too. So it is a tight end premium league, but I'm still pretty happy about that. So uh, I'm optimistic about Coleman going forward. Uh, but with him off the board, I am going to go back to running back because that was my, my, my weakest position entering this draft. And I'm going to go to Duke Johnson here. We talked about it a little bit earlier. But uh, e- even if they do go big with Saquon Barkley or Darius Geis for somebody, I still think he's going to be an important part of the passing game. He's caught uh, you know at least 53 balls in all of his three seasons. He caught 61 his rookie season, 53 in 2016, and he caught 74 this year when his target jumped up to 93 so you know i think he's always going to be kind of a ppr special back and i've got another one on the, those on my roster and uh theo riddick so i'm pretty happy about having those guys to be able to plug in you know when my starters are on by or injured or something like that yeah it's a nice pick ryan what are your thoughts on uh duke johnson i know we talked about it a little bit is he the guy you'd plug in here at the 11th spot um probably not i have i actually had one guy in in my rankings preparing for this draft I had one player ranked eighth, and then when it came my spot, I, I pivoted off him. So I'm interested okay, to see. Okay, we can talk about that in a moment, Ryan, because you, you might uh, be able to pick him up as an undrafted free agent oh. when, when we're done here. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm on the clock at number 12, and I'm going to take Devin Funchess, although I've taken a handful of running back or wide receivers, excuse me, already. I feel like he's the obvious guy on still on the board. I think I've never been really high on Devin Funchess and, and really do wish there was a third quarterback in this class, but that uh, list includes the likes of Bryce Petty and uh, Brett Hunley and Garrett Grayson. So uh, I'll avoid that. I'll go ahead and add Funchess to my roster. Ryan, who's the guy that you had at eight? Yeah, it was Funchess. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have him quite that high. Fill us in. Why are why do you feel so strongly, or, or at least semi strongly, about Funchess and his upside? Well, I, so I did originally have him above Ajay, above the two players I picked, Coleman and Parker. He had that uh, wide receiver two season this year. I think he finished as as the wide receiver twenty one overall. And with with the moves that Carolina made last year on offense, especially bringing in Samuel and and McCaffrey. I kind of feel like they're going to maybe go away from that position this year as as they go through free agency and um, and the draft. So I feel like Funchess is kind of locked in as the wide receiver one there for Cam Newton. So I like to pick certainly at 12 and, and debated it uh, at my pick. Yeah, I had Funchess uh, at number nine on, on my board right there with, right behind Tevin Coleman. So I didn't have Devontae Parker probably as high as some of you guys might might have uh, thought. Matt, what are your thoughts on Funchess, and did you consider him? Was it only the running back need that made you go to Duke Johnson at 11? I think Ryan mispronounced Curtis Samuels as the wide receiver once. <laughs> ah, next year. okay. Uh, no, <laughs> uh, it was fine. I had him right below Duke Johnson, so if Duke had gone, then I would have taken Funches for sure. I just felt like I had four solid wide receivers, and, and, and running back was a bigger need for me. So, yeah, that's where I'm at. 
So with that, let's talk a little bit uh, about the best picks, maybe the biggest surprises that we had in this 2015 rookie class recap. Ryan, let's start with you. Who, who? First of all, who's the best player still remaining? Funchess was the guy that you were you were eyeing as your undrafted free agent. Is there still a guy on the on the board? I think so. I had one player ranked. 12, uh, ranked in my top 12 that didn't get drafted. It's Jamison Crowder, the Redskins wide receiver. If I had one more pick, it would be him. So who who got picked that wasn't in your top 12? Duke Johnson, but honestly, like I said earlier, okay. from from 8 until 15 or 16, very little difference. I, I don't think Duke was a bad pick. Uh, there were other guys in there to consider. Um, Cameron Meredith, Tyrell Williams, Ty Montgomery, you know, once you kind of get into that second round range, I think those guys are all in play. Yeah, I think we're all probably sharing a brain. I had Duke Johnson at 12 and Jamison Crowder at 13, just outside of my top 12. Matt, how about you? Who's the next guy on your board? Yeah, it was definitely Crowder and and Williams for me. Can we talk about Ty Montgomery though, real quick? Because what do you guys, I want to know Ryan, well, from both of you guys, obviously this is a Packers show, right? So uh, (laughs) what are we, what are we, what's going to happen with Ty Montgomery next season? Is he going to be the lead back entering? Is one of those two rookies going to do it? Is he going to go back to wide receiver if, if Jordy or Cobb uh, uh, take off? Um, You know, what do you envision his role being in 2018? Yeah, let's talk a little bit about Ty Montgomery because he wasn't picked in this I thought about. I thought about taking him. Uh, I, I considered him when putting together my my board. Uh, I think he's one of the guys Ryan's talking about falling between that 10 and 16 uh, range, somebody that could probably easily be considered in the top half of that second round if we were to go there. Ryan, I, I've been a Ty Montgomery fan. I think he can he – can, fill that pass catching slash uh, running back role with five to six carries and three to four targets a game. Um, but now that I've seen these rookies are, are going into their second year tailbacks in green Bay, it feels to me like, like he's got big time competition for touches out of that Packer backfield. I still see Aaron Jones as the obvious uh, number one back in Green Bay right now if you're looking at his skill alone. And it seems like Jamal Williams really looked he, – he's that power thumper between the tackles that can grind out yards. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on Ty Montgomery as we go forward? I think Montgomery might be a nice buy low this offseason. Between the the performances that we did see from Jones and Williams and, and the injury to Montgomery, his, his value is way down. Of course, he doesn't go in the top 12 here for us. But I think as long as he's healthy, he's going to have a role. And I don't know. I'm not ready to define that if it's going to be a wide receiver or running back. And I'm sure the Packers aren't ready to either. But I think he's he's going to have a role. They're going to, to lose one of those veteran wide receivers. Um, and, and both Williams and Jones have shown like Montgomery, that they, they've struggled at least through one season, struggled to stay healthy as well. So, yeah, Montgomery is, is a nice guy to buy and, and take a shot on just, just to see what happens. I, th- I think he's going to continue to play that hybrid role. I think Mike McCarthy certainly sees it as an opportunity to line him up in the slot and motion him into the backfield or vice versa, and that could create opportunities for the Packers and, and points for us dynasty owners. So uh, certainly a guy worth rostering, of course, and, and like Ryan said, a guy that is absolutely worthy of a look as that guy that you have added to a trade or, or maybe you're looking to, to just – upgrade your depth at the position and hope you hit hit on a on a lottery 
ticket. As we've done for uh, in each of these mocks, fellas, we need to distinguish who made the best pick, who made the worst pick, or the pick you disagreed with most. Matt, which ones? Which one did you like the best, and which one did you shake your head at when there was? I liked Mel- the Melvin Gordon pick the best. Honestly, I, I feel like I sh- probably should have taken him at uh was it five one two three yeah five i thought that was a great value there you got him to drop all the way back to you for your second pick worst pick probably for me Devonte parker is just not someone that I, I believe in going forward at all really with that miami offense feels like just a just a big cluster i feel like you know if they end up re-signing jarvis landry it's just going to be more of the same and he's still going to have to compete with targets with with kenny still so uh it's not someone that i'm, I'm targeting Ryan, I know you're incredibly jealous of, of us drop it, drafting at the top and, and me getting three of those guys, but what's, which one's the best one and which one is the one that you weren't quite sure about? Um, I guess the best pick for me, I always look at those tier gaps, and, and when you can take advantage of those, I think that becomes a good pick. So for me, the best pick was Diggs at seven, and the pick I guess I dislike or disagree with was right after that, Jai at eight. Yeah, I had a Jai a little bit later as well. I, I like getting Diggs at seven and Gordon at six, as you guys mentioned. I think Marcus Mariota and Winston were both values where they went. I thought they were the third and fourth best players. So I guess that makes Cooper one of the guys where I was like, oh, I would have taken the quarterbacks first. Uh, I won't go that way, though. The best one, I think, is Tevin Coleman at 10. Uh, that speaks a little bit to the depth of the draft and, and how many uh, how many players there are that people still think uh, are really valuable players. Like I mentioned earlier, I think he has that upside. And to be able to get him at 10 in this exercise feels feels pretty good for sure. If there was one that I scratched my head over, it's probably a Jai as well. I'm not as high as others are. I still think there is upside in Philadelphia. Uh, an offseason being there, uh, maybe he can you know, get a bigger piece of the pie there. I do think there's question marks with that, however. So, so I'll pick him as the one I disagree with most, but I think for the most part, the 12 guys that should have gone in this top 12 went in the top 12. So, with that, uh, let's take a quick look at our rosters. Both of you have quarterbacks, and I do not. Ryan, let's start with yours. Derek Carr, Jameis Winston as your super flex. Uh, just one true running back to this point. It's Devonta Freeman. After that, you're stacked at wide receiver with DeAndre Hopkins, Odell Beckham Jr., Allen Robinson, and Amari Cooper. Still looking for that tight end. However, Matt, Starting lineup, two quarterbacks, Mariota and Jimmy Garoppolo is a solid uh, base for that position for sure. David Johnson and probably Jay Ajayi as your number two running back. Uh, Keenan Allen, Mike Evans, and Jarvis Landry at wide receiver, along with Thielen, who would fill a flex spot for you. And then Zach Ertz at tight end. Me, still looking for those quarterbacks. Don't even have one on the roster. Le'Veon Bell, Todd Gurley, and Melvin Gordon are my three tailbacks with Brandon Cooks, Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs as my third wide receiver. And then Travis Kelsey is my tight end with Jordan Reed on my bench. So that's the start of our rosters. We still have two more drafts to go to build these rosters. We don't know who has the number one pick next year uh, or in next year's draft anyway. uh, That's coming at you next week, but it will be up to a six-year-old. We do know that for sure. Last couple things, fellas. I want to thank all the guys that, uh, or people that joined our playoff fantasy football league. That's been a lot of fun so far. 
Uh, and for all the kind comments and suggestions on Twitter about the format of these uh, these podcasts, uh, we appreciate the feedback as always, and keep it coming. For my buddy Matt and my friend Ryan, I am Dan. You will catch us again next week on the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where we will cover the 2016 Rookie Draft.